0: blog
1: talk radio you've heard about it you've read about it you've talked about it and now you've found it this is truth about trucking live on blog talk radio the largest radio social network in the world with your host Alan Smith a veteran of OTR trucking business entrepreneur and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now.
2: Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today is Thursday, November 3rd, 2011, and we are in the holiday months with Thanksgiving right around the corner. Glad to be back broadcasting live across the World Wide Web right here on Blog Talk Radio, and we appreciate you joining us this evening. Our call in number, if you would like to be a part of the show, is 347 826 9170, and Skype users. And call in by clicking on the Skype icon from the show page. It's been a busy October, and uh, glad to be back here right here in November. And Donna, I guess you're sitting there at the seat with me?
3: I'm right here. (laughs) Well, it
2: has been a busy busy October we made it through, so I'm sure you have a lot of information for us.
3: Well, I've got some announcements tonight. I'll try not to take too long but That's all right. <laughs> as everyone knows, um this is our first show since we came back from Tunica <clears throat> and the uh first annual truck driver social media convention, which by the way we had a blast. Um and everybody who's listening who was there, um I'm sure you'll agree. Um we also I mean we we just got to meet people that we only knew online and spoke to, you know, on Twitter and Facebook. But it was a huge success, and we're all very uh, happy and grateful for that. Uh, we did set out everything that you know we said we were going to do, and that was uniting and honoring drivers um, and those gathering within the industry, uh, including most of our sponsors who were able to attend, which I was really glad to see that. Um, plus, we were able to give voice to drivers as we had the drivers stand up and speak their piece, such as Fred Schaffner, who's on tonight. He was one of the drivers who got up, and uh, which is no surprise for Fred. <laughs> And um, there was a wealth of information that was shared that night. Um, The the speakers were just unbelievably wonderful. And uh, we also had over 4,000 in cash and gift prizes. And we had wonderful entertainment with Tony Justice and John DiBatista. They did such a fantastic job. And um, anyway, I I just can't say enough about them. Um, We're already planning next year's event. And uh, we're, we're going to be putting some choices up, uh, Atlanta, Dallas, Memphis, Kansas City. I will be putting a survey up to see, you know. Or even if, if everyone loved tunica, you know, you could put tunica down too. Alan, we might even add that one uh, to the list. Yeah, that's fine. And um, anyway, you could always reach us at 352-505-8162. And um, we're going to have a two-hour copy of the DVD of the highlights of the convention. And um, we'll be putting a link up uh, on the site real short, either tonight or tomorrow or something. It's uh, uh, www.truckingsocialmedia.com. And we also have a YouTube channel, and we've got some YouTubes up. So YouTube.com, truckingsocialmedia.com. And Desiree took a lot of photos while she was there uh, and a lot of videos. So she's got some great videos. She just put one up for Paul Taylor um, on his presentation. So YouTube.com, trucking, social media. Uh, today we had the, um, the Senate voted on the transportation bill, and obviously it didn't happen, which I don't think anybody really expected it to happen. So we'll see what happens after that. Missouri did get $1 million of truck parking. And uh, the Missouri DOT received $1 in federal aid, and that's from that old fund we had from the pilot program in Safety Lou that nobody claimed. Well, Missouri got it for Interstate 70, and that's why it's so important that we get uh, Jason's Law (coughs) uh, in uh, the transportation bill uh, as well. So we'll we'll replenish the, um, the rest stops closing and get more truck parking. So, um, let's see. Rich Wilson, he had a a great uh, uh, thing from Senator Coons. He wrote, uh, please support SB 1187, which is Jason's law. You have done a great job in supporting the rest area electrification projects in Delaware. Now support our Delaware truckers having a safe place to park in other states, like you did with supplying safe places for our interstate state truckers to park in Delaware. And, let's see, Senator Chris Coons replied, Hi, Richard, thanks for your message in support of Jason's Law. The trucking industry is an integral part of the national economy and commerce. And Senator Coons feels strongly that a function of the government is to provide necessary oversight to ensure all American workers have safe, hazard-free working conditions. This includes safe areas for our truck drivers to sleep at night during their long shifts on the road. We will take a close look at this legislation. Thank you for your input. So that's great. I mean, that's how it gets done. You have to... uh, you know, give knowledge to these people. They have a lot of things on their plate, and I keep putting it in front of them. Uh, so thanks, Rich, for doing that. Um, David Hancock, he w- he's another one conserved. He's if you know he's with Hajian. He has the Dynastis APU, and uh, he sent us an email this morning. You know uh, about the Mexican cross border. And we really appreciate when people send us things like this Because obviously, you know, you can't keep up on everything We don't have like this huge man crew over here So thank you everybody who does this And um, I know this is something on um, on David's mind, the cross-border So it, it's actually a, a letter that uh, Jay Rockefeller wrote to uh, Ray LaHood Secretary of the U.S. Department of Transportation in regards to cross-border trucking. And Jay Rockefeller is a Democrat from West Virginia. He's also on the Committee of um, Chairman on Commerce, Science, and Transportation. So uh, this is what he wrote. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just like a couple of lines. I'm deeply concerned about what appears to be the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. Uh, lacks oversight of the cross-border pilot program. Specifically, two recent events in FMCSA's administration of the program leave me with serious questions about whether the agency is giving applicants an adequate level of scrutiny. And then he goes on to say, I am also disappointed that FMCSA is allowing Mexican carriers to apply time from previous cross-border programs towards the 18-month requirement for permanent operating authority. FMCSA's decision to grant Transportes Olympic Permanent Operating Authority is based on nearly a three-year-old compliance review for the carrier. And he ends with, uh, further concerns, FMCSA has not made the cross-border pilot program transparent for public review. So anyway, um, you can go online and uh, and this is uh, public, so you can read this. It's from Jay uh, Rockefeller to uh, Secretary Ray LaHood. But I thought that was very, very interesting, and I think uh, tonight probably I'm sure uh, Fred is going to want to touch on that also. But so that's it, Alan. That's all I have.
2: Well, that's all right. <laughs> that's enough. But uh yeah, I saw that Rockefeller uh letter online earlier and I guess uh is that one of the Rockefellers?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure is, the fourth. <laughs> well. He's uh he's a big time um against uh poverty and let's see, uh he swears that he will not use one dime of his money and, and he's pretty pretty well off to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> he will not use one dime of his money for campaigning that if it doesn't come in, you know, other ways, but just to show that you can't buy your way in. But on the other hand, that's how he got in the first time, so, you know, you wonder
2: <laughs> Well it was good though to have somebody like that, uh Putting such a scrutinous eye on this uh, cross border thing.
3: I mean, you have to read. I didn't want to, you know, read the whole letter. I I could, but it, it, you know, it got pretty lengthy. I mean, it's it's five paragraphs. So, but I kind of tried to get the meat of it in. But basically, what it's saying is A, be more transparent, and B, uh, you need to scrutinize these people better than you are because you let two of them go through that definitely shouldn't have gone through. (laughs)
2: Yeah, and yeah, and it's just getting started, and right. we hear that transparency word a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> in this thing. So, all right, sounds good. Okay, our guest this evening is Fred Schaffner of the American Driver, theAmericanDriver.com, and you may remember Fred along with his brother JB, who were the instrumental force behind having the two-hour parking limit signs removed from the Virginia rest areas a year or so ago. So big players in the political world of the trucking industry, and after a little break from all the work that they do, Fred is back at it, standing up for drivers and voicing his opinions about the industry. And last week, as Donna said, he traveled to Arlington, Virginia, and spoke at the Motor Carry Safety Advisory Committee during the discussion for EOBRs, along with other issues that were brought up by others. And we'll find out exactly what took place, what the discussion entailed, and what the theamericandriver.com brought to the plate. So, Fred Schaffner is back, and he's here on Truth About Trucking Live. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
1: You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. It's
4: like pumping my money down in. gonna do when the big rigs don't
2: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. I hear from a lot of newcomers to the industry who still have that entrepreneur spirit that has made the United States of America the great country that she is. And many of them still have one goal in mind, and that is to someday have their own rig and become an owner operator. Truth About Trucking Live is all about providing honest, reliable information about the OTR trucking industry, especially for those just beginning their truck driving careers. Running your own trucking business is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that has kept America moving since trucks were first used by the military in World War I. If you're considering starting your own owner offer business, there's only one name that you need to know, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease purchase plans in the industry. There's no huge balloon payment at the end, and when you make that final monthly payment, they hand over the title, The Truck Is Yours. They require a very reasonable down payment, and the monthly payments are kept at an affordable $1,000 per month and sometimes even less. A great inventory to choose from, including Peterbilt, Spalbills, Internationals, and Freightliners. And all of their trucks are mechanically checked out, dependable, and ready to go to work. And unlike trucking company leases, if you choose to change motor carriers, the truck goes with you. It's your truck. Check them out at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free, 866-512-5685. LoneMountainTruck.com, the honest guys for the sweet lease deals. LoneMountainTruck.com. Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live and AssetTrucker.com with an important message for owner-operators and fleet owners. Hodjohn Incorporated is a company that makes the Dynasys APU, and if you're considering an auxiliary power unit for your truck but thought you just couldn't afford it, you need to talk to the Dynasys guys about their all-new financing program. The Dynasys APU saves fuel and provides AC, heating, plug-in, power, all of those comfort necessities you deserve when you have to shut down for your mandatory break. It's definitely the smart way to be comfortable and save money. Their finance program is designed to make your monthly payment nearly half of what you're spending on fuel, with their goal of making APUs available for every hardworking driver. They realize that times are tough and that credit is hard to come by, so they offer four credit plans, giving all owner-operators and fleet owners a guaranteed financing opportunity. They can even get you hooked up with grants that can cover APU costs as well. Give them a call at 1-800-289-8282 toll-free, 1-800-289-8282, or just Google search Dynasys APU. Visit them online at hodjohn.com. That's H-O-D-Y-O-N.com. The Dynasys APU, the best solution to engine idling. Okay, welcome back. Our show this evening is brought to you in part by our newest sponsor of the program, EightHourDayEnergy.com And, you know, we all know that due to the Lifestyle Trucker's experience, many drivers will use energy drinks to help them, you know, keep going. But, But finding and knowing that the energy drink is a nutritional and safe drink to use can be difficult. So wouldn't it be great if you could find an energy drink that not only gives you the ultimate energy but comes with a health boost as well? Well, now you can. Eight-hour-day energy is the ultimate energy drink with with a health boost. It's not just another energy drink. It's a healthy alternative. Eight-hour-day energy advises that it is the perfect all-in-one nutritional and energy uh, supplement that is packed with over 140 nutritional ingredients. It has antioxidants vitamins, minerals, and superfruits, including acai, noni, goji, and mangosteen. The list, it just goes on and on. And it's all packed in a two-ounce bottle to help boost your immune system, support heart health, aids in eye maintenance, nervous system, and as well as mental alertness. And all this and more comes with a smooth, long-lasting energy Without the jitters or crashes that you experience from other energy drinks. So visit their website to grab your supply and for more information at 8hourdayenergy.com. That's the number 8 our, hour, H O U R, dayenergy.com. 8hourdayenergy.com. It's made for the long haul, so make the switch today. 8hourdayenergy.com. And all right, Fred Schaffner. From the uh, from the Driver dot com, back in the saddle doing what he does best. Fred, welcome back to the show.
3: How you doing, Alan? Donn, I'm good. How you doing, Fred?
2: Well, oh, hanging in there. Hanging in.
3: Well, there. You've, you've been more than. Well, uh, half- you
2: guys,
5: you
3: guys know what I'm going through. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, you know, you had a little break there for a while. We all deserve a little break, and now you're back, hard at it, going at it again. Uh, once uh, we, you know, you were there at the convention, then you were there in Arlington, Virginia, and then what's got you all fired up? Well, uh,
5: this uh, this stroke that I had in September, I there is Good Lord's kicking me in the butt, telling me to get back on track. Uh, you know, a lot and of I
3: just want to say, Fred, got
5: me out out of the uh will sidetracked and I figured this is perfect opportunity, got me up here near DC, uh and, and basically get back on the right you know, get back on this path to getting something done. Uh and with the convention, uh meeting the guys on the panel, uh gave me an opportunity to get some information and now I'm gonna see if I can dig my heels in and uh well let me share this real quick. Something my granddad taught me. A first encounter you can set an impression. Multiple encounters you can set up you know get a presence felt now, I think we actually did make an impression uh, I've been going through the report today uh that they they generated going up to that full committee. I don't know if we've necessarily set a you know that we've given them a presence, a feeling of our presence, but I think if we follow this report uh I take advantage of this downtime to to get to every meeting I can get to basically get in their face because uh we we have got to have a true voice up there
2: well you know you know there's a lot of people that talk with very few people that do you know and you were talking about sayings i saw i saw this saying on a sign the other day that i really liked i came back and told it to donna but it said well done is better than well said and yeah. that's what you're doing you're out there doing well it's it's
5: it's Part of my my upbringing, the way I live, you know, if, if if you're going to take and talk about something, you know, we call it in, you know, truckers out there know what I'm talking about. You know, there's the talk to talk guy, and then there's the walk to talk guy, and you know, I've seen plenty of the talk to talk, and it's like, well, God, somebody's got to do this, somebody's got to stand up and do something, and being how I was raised, it's like, well, you know. I was taught if nobody else is doing it, then by God, you better get up off your butt or don't talk.
2: And <laughs> yeah. so, here
5: I am.
1: Well, 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 we're glad to have you back.
2: I noticed you made some changes to the AmericanDriver.com. dot com. It's looking good, Donna. Did you did you have something to say a minute ago?
3: Well, yeah, I you know I wasn't going to bring up um, your stroke or anything, Fred, because I w- I didn't know if you wanted to share that. But now that well, you yeah. said it, I just want to tell everybody that um, Fred had planned to come to this convention. And by hook or by crook, stroke or no stroke, um, he had things oh. to say. He had things he he wanted to, you know, address. And uh, and he made it a point and to make it there. Um, he he did come with a cane, and by the end of the convention, Fred, I don't even remember you using the cane. <laughs> <laughs>
5: no, it's, it's one of those, you know, you gotta, you got to, my brother kind of made the comment to me initially at the very beginning when he picked me up. And he told me, he says, you know how this works. you got to take back what you want. And about the time I'd been moving around, I started to get kind of excited. I was feeling back, you know, feeling the juices again. And I just, I told brother, I said, well, I got my phone. If I fall down, I'll call you. You know, the room. in
4: Well, we've got
2: a, uh, I mean, you can, uh, you can go, listeners can go to uh, truckingsocialmedia.com and click on the link there for the 2011 convention and scroll down a little bit and you'll see the photo gallery 1 and photo gallery 2 and you'll see Fred up there speaking along with you know many others it's got a lot of great photos on there so well okay well this this committee you went to Fred I guess the uh, the this the biggest purpose behind it was the discussion on the EOBRs
5: yes this now even though it wasn't made known to us until I started digging got ready to go uh, this was dealing with technical data. You know, they, there's a a task that what how I've discovered. This is subcommittee level, subcommittee level, subcommittee. I mean, it, there's about four layers here, and this is actually an independent committee that is picked by uh, or outside of FMCSA, but FMCSA picks the committee, and all nominations are made, and they select the twenty up to twenty members. Right now, there's eighteen. And I do want to point out, so the drivers out there listening know this, there is six police officers from different states that sit out of that 18 people that are currently members. ATA's in there. OOIDA's in there. And Mr. Spencer, as much respect as I have for him, I kind of caught him a little bit and you know put him on the spot. But there's one truck driver, or a trucking company driver, I'm not certain which it is yet, that sits out of this 18 people. And it's it was amazing. And tonight I'll share a couple of things to point out what I'm, what I'm trying to impress upon the drivers out there, the importance of us getting a voice in there, whether you're on the committee or you're sitting at that mic waiting for your chance to get up there and say something, uh, that we get a voice up in there. Because what I saw on the day I was there, it was just it, – it was uh, – I'm gonna choose the word unbelievable in my in my opinion. To to sit here and to see discussions going on about technical data, you know, preparing the equipment is what they're doing. Or preparing the parameters of the equipment that will be built and used. Which is kinda of surprising we already got EOBRs out there that seem to do okay. But
0: yeah.
5: there's there are things within the FMCSA's uh proposal that's been tasked to them to give comments and advice on this particular issue. Uh, So as we were kind of limited on dealing with technical data. And, of course, this will go up to the full committee, which is, now, I found this out at that committee afterwards. It's December 5th through 9th. But I haven't found anything posted on it yet.
2: Okay, So it was largely for the technical data concerning the EOBRs. That's what you're saying yes, and, okay we
5: so, and we're talking about about there there's been a recommendation or a comment with a recommendation to add another line to the graph for personal conveyance use of a vehicle I mean it's that type of level,
2: okay, so I'm trying to follow you here so um so what was it that? Uh, so you so y i'm tra- you you were thinking it was something more than just the uh, the technical aspect of the e o b r s right
5: yes when when we were okay. getting prepared to go on down yes and
2: okay uh, so once you, once you got there'm
5: sorry go ahead.
2: once you got there and realized it how how did you uh uh well tell it, how did you get up there and what did you speak about i mean did they even allow it or what happened with the, what happened with you once you were there Oh yeah
0: well, well, I got a
5: good feel for how these meetings roll uh They go through the task report and then they they all agree on a comment uh, or a recommendation to uh whether to adjust adopt uh change something uh leave it as it is uh they go through this on on their uh big screen, and all the members give their input now when they start talking about Uh, personal conveyance and definition of, how many miles they're going to allow you to drive that vehicle as a personal vehicle. Uh, They started getting down into data integrity, uh, how an officer, the enforcement, is going to be able to access that data, data retention, uh, peer-to-peer options, as they called it, uh, security, uh, so forth and so on. They're talking about the technical data that these these pieces of equipment are going to be constructed to perform. And when it it started rolling down on that, because they they allowed us to open mic at about 4, well, just after 4, almost 4.30, uh, they allowed us to, for public comment. And, of course, you have to be quick on your toes pretty pretty much to understand that they're only going to really, you know, listen to what pertains to what they're talking about. So' cause I had two owner ops that went with me, and it was it was it was quite eye opening actually to understand how this this here was the subcommittee, and they're going to take and these recommendations go to the full committee and that's the one in December first week of December then they'll turn around and do any modifying uh suggesting basically comments or recommendations, and then that will go to f m c s a and how I understand this it goes to uh Farrell or LaHood It goes to the top of the FMCSA and then they'll assign it down into uh committees.
2: Okay, so <laughs> did you have your turn at the mic? Um Oh yeah. <laughs> okay uh, as so as we're if, going through if,
5: this information that I found quite a bit of it uh alarming actually for a safety advisory committee to not really address an issue fully. You know, not really uh, hammer out what it is they're going to be recommending. And I had, what first caught my attention when they are talking about the data integrity, there was actually one gentleman that questioned uh, the validity of the data, you know, the security of it and, that, and how valid that data is, its integrity. Right. And a gentleman sitting next to him said, well, you know, we're really never going to get there. And those were the words I heard, we're never really going to get there. Uh as they're finishing dealing with peer to peer uh the, the basically rights to certain things, what type of systems they're gonna they're gonna abide by, G and S. I'm not certain what that is yet, but it's like standards. And I hear a gentleman make a comment about a shot in the dark. Now, I don't know about every other trucker out there, but I know that when I hear words like that when we're pertaining to setting something up that's going to be regulated, because right. I I, I addressed the issue of, of the harassment uh, having to be addressed that has not been addressed yet. And yet here we are creating the piece of equipment, and we haven't even taken care of the most serious issue, and that is companies are going to use this as a tool to get inside the truck, and if a trucker decides he's tired, the only man that can make that decision decides he's tired. And it's going to stop. He's going to have his company on him because oh, you still got four hours. And I looked over at Todd Spencer, and it was just like, now you guys did something with this. And he made a comment. And he responded with, you know, well, we're working. You know, it's been pushed back. It's being dealt with. And it's like, you know, nonetheless, here you are creating something before this issue that is very serious that does not create safety is going to be created. And it was just one of the things where, my God, people, I just started repeating, safety advisory committee. I mean, that's what these people <laughs> are.
0: If right. You
5: are a safety advisory committee, what you decide here is going to affect millions of truckers, both company and owner-operators. And, and you know, it's just trying to get to the, the moral side of the, of these people. You know, sit back and think about it. Seriously hammered out. Don't brush over something and put a comment up there. Oh, we'll deal with it later. We'll build on it later. You know, stop and think.
3: Well, yeah, before, and, before and it goes it, to the actual committee, right?
5: Yeah, this report goes on up to the actual committee, uh, to the full act committee, and then from there it will head back into FMCSA and go through those committees. Uh, and it will make its way to the regulatory committee.
3: Well, one yeah, of the things that that really, um, when we were talking uh, earlier, and you were telling us um, that if drivers really did want to participate in this, uh, there's no truck parking. Um, I found that really odd.
5: Mm-hmm. It's when you start really thinking about things, going, "Oh, wait a minute! You know, something's not right here. There's just there's seriously something not right. You know this." We've got all these true safety issues, and yet we're going to create a piece of equipment that the companies will use to force a driver back on the road. And that is not safety. I don't care what anybody says. That's not safety. But, I mean,
3: if drivers wanted to participate and get more involved, because part of what... What Alan and I are trying to do is to to get people more involved that's what rich wilson's um presentation was was all about how to get right. more involved and uh uh you know so now you did as a result of the convention um you decided you, you to you know go well there's a meeting on the twenty sixth I'm going to go to it and I'm going to be a represent and uh and then when you get there, you told us. Good thing you went in your car because there was no truck parking and I was just floored by that. I mean,
5: yes, how can you uh, invite drivers need to make do
3: this. something.
5: Yes, we need to make this known to the drivers out there as 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 much as we're being told to do this, it it needs to be understood because when we showed up is at the Sheridan in Arlington, Crystal City, and literally no trucks can park anywhere. If a truck driver was driving around the beltway and decided, I, you know what, I've got forty-five minutes I can spare, and I was told I could be at this address and show up at the hotel there at around four thirty, and I can speak my piece and I can say what I want to say. And lo and behold, that man will drive up, and there will be nowhere for him to put his rig. Nowhere.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, well, bad. we know that's we know that's not really a coincidence. We know that's planned. I mean, but uh, oh yes, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, obviously. It. So, oh, yeah. so when you got up there, what uh, what did you uh, what did you bring up before the committee and their reaction? Well,
5: I I basically because the technical data that they're talking about it truly gets into levels of of just a lot of it was just common sense. And there's not a whole lot I can say. And so what it was is I got up and was driving the point to him that why are you giving this information, why are we addressing this issue before the harassment issue of the EOBRs has even been dealt with? Just because a court sent it back and FMCSA is dealing with it, you know, it should be resolved before you go to this step. And then is just trying to... You know, again, there was a point where I asked the asked the subcommittee to indulge me, and I asked them, "How many of you here have ever operated, or operated a truck?" And there was about seven hands went up, roughly give or take. Might have been seven,
2: seven. Seven out of how many? Eighteen. Okay, seven out of eighteen. Uh-huh. Okay.
5: So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, all right, and there's one gentleman who kind of looked away. And, and I looked over, and I, and, I, and I kind of told him, I says, don't look away. You know what I'm talking about when I make the statement for an, a safety advisory committee to be creating something, giving the parameters for a piece of equipment to be created before it has even been dealt with on the most major of issues, and that is harassment. And, you know, it's it's just like you look at them, you want to, you want to strangle them. It, and it's like you know they they were paying attention they were looking i'll give them this they 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 accept we had a, we were i thought well received you know received they listened you know intently heard what we had to say and as and as i'm pointing out to them you can't do this put it table this thing don't give them the stuff that they can turn around and say well you guys wanted it this is what you guys told us the industry wanted and And then, turn around and say, "Well, they're not going to do this for two or three years. It's not gonna be that expensive. you know it's it's no. you need to take a stop and think you're you're we're talking safety. They haven't addressed the most critical of issues, and that is how these e o b r s will be used by the companies to push a driver when he has decided he's he's just too tired to drive and because he's got time on the clock and they can see it." They're going to push him. Is that creating safety? I mean, they. Well, oh, you been,
3: said something, Fred. What do you mean the industry wanted it? Um, well, who, we have
5: industry leaders there. We've got ATA, we've got OOIDA, we've got police officers, we've got truck drivers, because you know, six or seven of them had the hands up. Um, I mean, you can go to the MIXAC uh, uh, website. And I think I put that link up on, you know, I made sure it got posted up once I figured all this out, that uh, that you can locate the members, all the members. Um, Laura, I'm trying to think. What is it? mcsac.fmcsa.gov, I believe it is. I'm looking at it. Yeah, mcsac.fmcsa.dot.gov. And on that home page, you can, you can see who the members are. I mean, we've got Rob Abbott on that panel,
4: <laughs>
5: ATA's safety president, I guess is, or vice president of safety policy, and and yet, and yet, these are the type of things, and I'm just going to share one quick here, because I believe I've got this page up, where, and it's the draft that came from this subcommittee. Now, I've been going through this, because at the next committee, at the full committee, this is what uh... we can really dig into but we've got things such as uh... must produce on demand a driver's hours of service record in either electronic or printed form That you know you guys better be prepared to also carry paper logs with you by the way uh... hours of service information and these are this is the language hours of service information must be made accessible to authorized federal state or local officials for the review without requiring the official to enter the CMV. Well, who's to say they're not going to just sit on the side of the road with a computer and because they were talking about technical data, wireless uh, connect connectivity, uh, USB connections, the whole nine yards. Well, you're driving down the road, whatever they deem to say, well, I'm going to pull him over and give him roadside inspection. He's done already looked at your logs. I mean, this is the type of stuff that can come from this language. <clears throat> and yet, here we are with individuals that can't seem to really think on safety. They're going to take and put parameters on things. Tell an owner-operator, uh, which is also in here, they're putting a 25-mile limit, shall we say, for your 10-hour break period that you could actually drive your truck for a 25-mile distance, 12 and a half out, 12 and a half back. Uh, if you're on your 34-hour restart, you can drive up to a 50-mile radius. I mean, this is the type of stuff that they were talking about. And to really respond to things like that, uh, Dean addressed the 50-mile. He was one of the owner-operators. And, and he told them, and he gave them a scenario. I'm 250 miles from the house. I own my truck. I'm on a Friday, drop the load at the, ship, at the consignee. So it's in their possession, and I'm going to go home for two days instead of sitting in their yard for two days. But I live 250 miles away. So now I'm going to have to log this. Drivers get paid by the turn of a wheel. Drivers do not get paid by the hour. And when you lose an hour, you're losing an average of 55 miles. You're, you're losing, you know, 10, 12, 14 bucks. And yeah, you're just going home. Now, if you're outside of the 50-mile radius, you're going to lose time. Time is money because you can't turn wheels unless you've got time. And, and here we got a trucker that's on this panel that doesn't say nothing about that. They're going to go ahead, and they did their recommendation of 25 on the 10-hour break, 50 on the 34-hour the restart. It, it's unbelievable.
3: I guess I'm confused. Um, so what what was the question that – he wanted to go home 250 miles away well, and couldn't. No, he was
5: just pointing out because they were, they were setting distance limits of what you can use your truck for. They're going to tell owner-operators what, how far they can drive their truck or when they've got to start logging time, even though they're off-duty and they're going home. And he gave this, this example of his previous weekend where he was 250 miles from the house. So basically, either i got to log it, I'm going to be penalized because I'm going to go home for two days. It's my truck. And he was just trying to impress upon them and tell them, how can you do this? How can you put mile limits on a vehicle? You oh, know, I company see. Company drivers can't. can't use a vehicle for
2: personal conveyance. Yeah, well, you know how, you know how they do it, Donna?
3: No, I, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs>
2: well, <clears throat> I'm sitting here listening and thinking this is this is a small example of the regulations that hit europe and that's why there are no owner operators there anymore thank you so i mean and that's that's going to be a topic of another show but a lot of people need to know that uh... Um, uh... there's, there's no owner operators over there because of the overregulation regulation and and things just like just like you're talking about fred and i mean it if they don't stand up and do something <laughs> It's going to be buy-buy owner operators in the US.
5: It is going to be a mess. I mean it's.
3: I mean
5: I you know, I believe everybody's hearts in the right place, but you know, best laid intentions can can result in the the worst of scenarios. And in that is the, is how I believe and how I am is that the language in this stuff is extremely critical. Extremely critical. Little things like that can turn into a Fiasco that will put owner operators out i mean it's it's just plain and simple. What if you are sitting, and I know there's many truckers that listen and know what I'm talking about. What if you're sitting out there in Green River in Utah and you live in Salt Lake City and you're you're out of hours you're doing your thirty four hour restart. My goodness, I could be home in four hours. I could be with my wife and kids, I can have a dinner, I can take a shower I don't have to pay for. It. I actually have a dinner that's that's proper. I I can visit with my kids, you know, spend the weekend with them, be back in a couple hours at my rig, head on down the road. Only here comes big big brother. No, you can't. And if you do, then you're going to have to take and log it as if you're carrying a load. And it's like, well, wait a second. I only get paid by the turn of the wheel, you know, the miles that I'm driving. This so you're, In other words, you're wasting
3: your log time be, and you're being losing in valuable line. You're
5: money. Yeah, you're right. losing valuable time, which is money to a driver. Only because, unless you're in the household industry, there's very few loads that go by weight. Everything goes by mile. And that means you want to get there every hour is critical. Actually, every 15 minutes is critical to a driver out there. That's money to take care of them kids. And if you put parameters such as this on a, on an owner operator, you're going to kill him. It's, it's, you know, I mean, you are going to drive him out of his truck. I mean, this mess started back in the '80s, and
4: would, I, I ran for
3: Another question. Yeah. Um, and 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 this kind of all falls in line with HOS. Um, Drivers needing more hours, they're saying, "Well, you know, just keep it at 11 because we need to make more money." And now the EOBR, you know, you're 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 not allowed to go on your own time; you have to log it. <clears throat> Basically, though, it all boils down to money. And if drivers made more money, then it wouldn't matter if HOS was nine hours, eight hours, 11 hours. I mean, it, it really falls on that. And what what we well, yeah. were discussing before was that um, what was it? Fair labor standards. Oh, the Act? Fair
5: Labor Standards Act. Yes, the uh, the law that was enacted back in the 30s that set the 40-hour work week and the eight-hour day. And if a company required you to work more than eight hours or 40 hours, they compensated you for that time. Well, in 81, the Congress at the time had changed the, well, basically they enacted uh, interstate commerce legislation that exempted truck drivers from the Fair Labor Standards Act, where literally that's why they can work you 70 hours a week and not, not compensate you for that extra 30 hours, on top of the fact you're being away from home. They're paying you instead of by the hour, they're paying you by the mile. Uh, I mean, you, you, can, you can go on with the litany of what these companies are doing to the to the drivers, that the drivers do not get a fair shake out of, and so over the years we've gotten into this mindset: oh, I need more hours so I can make more money. It's like no, you need to be treated like the rest of American workers, and be subject to the company should be subject to the same rules that any other American worker is subject to that they're subject to. You know, I work more than forty hours. I want time and a half. If I work more than eight in a day, I want time and a half. Or I want a better hourly pay that, you know, or, you know, you can look at a turn of the wheel. I want, I deserve better pay. Not this, oh, we're going to let you work more hours. Oh, we're going to let you... Right, work
3: it's like everybody's crying, let, please let me work more hours, rather than saying... I want to make more money because that's really, in essence, what they're saying. I want to make more money.
5: And well, it I think. Be, yeah, well, not to interrupt, but what it should be is I deserve better pay. Right. This country survives on our transportation industry. I deserve better pay because, Lord knows, the companies are charging more to transport this stuff. I mean, we can see it on the grocery shelf, we can see it at the gas pump.
3: Well, they're I find it. More yeah I find it amazing that they even decided to exempt drivers, and that even more amazing that it was tolerated
5: yeah, I agree I agree you know at the time all that was going on, I was twenty years old, and needless to say, a twenty year old don't get listened to very well <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah
5: <laughs> I've, been, I've been active with this government since I was a teenager, so I mean it's it's None of it's new to me, and I've learned a lot of the uh, ins and outs and the games that are played and how they do things, and it's all in the language, every last bit of it. And if you pay attention to the language, uh, how do I put this? If you can find a way to stay awake when you're reading this stuff, then you can start to get a grip on what it is they're trying to do. You know, what exactly are we trying to do? We're going to put a tool in the hands of a corporation that's going to – it will be used to make a driver drive even though he's tired or he may be sick. And the company says, well, you've got four hours. We need this load there. You've got to get it done. I mean, there's going to be pressure. And yet, at the same time, there, I'm trying to find it here real quick. There is language within these uh, proposed rules that are – uh, because they've got them relating to 49 CFR 391.16 F2. I mean, there's there's already, FMCSA has already constructed regulations, and what this advisory committee is doing is reviewing them and giving recommendations on what needs to be set and this and that. And, but here, here's an example of language. Relating to 49 CFR 395.16 F2. The location description for the duty status change, now here, listen carefully, and for intervening intervals while the CMV is in motion must be sufficiently precise to enable federal, state, and local enforcement personnel to quickly determine the vehicle's geographic location on a standard map or road atlas. And they
0: pass motion passed 11 to 0 with four extensions. On this, the subcommittee
5: recommendation on this particular this particular what they've been tasked on this particular regulation that's been that is going to be put in place. Now, to me, that language tells me that somebody in a dungeon anywhere in the country that has access to their their little computer systems that they have all over the place will be able to access your EOBR information. And then determine whether you're in violation or something, or you may be in violation, and send an officer out to find you. I mean, this is Fourth Amendment stuff right here. You know. And where did you, you
3: read that from, Fred? You were reading, you you quoted something. Where 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 was well, where did you is, read it? From? This
5: is the draft. This is the OBR subcommittee report okay. uh, draft. This is what was generated from that subcommittee. And in this draft, uh, this is one of the things that they're tasked to do is to, to review what FMCSA has constructed. And this particular is number three uh, of the task, which is relating to 49 CFR 395.16 F2. Now, I, I don't know about y'all that if there was a truck driver, a true truck driver, sitting on that committee and read those words right there, the first thing that should be in his mind is, oh, so now what? You don't even have to have officers out. I don't even have to be doing wrong or even appear to be unsafe, and you're going to send an officer out to get me if you determine from my EOBR information that is secure or not secure. See, that was the issue that I made comment on was, you know, hammering something out. Don't just, oh, we'll deal with it later, And, and you're going to send an officer out to fetch me. I mean, you know, this is the type of of stuff that ends up just inundating the drivers out there, and it's killing them. And you also wound. brought
3: out stuff about Mexico you were telling me in the off time. That was the stuff that was really, I found to be really, oh, because uh, they're not subject to this EOBR. They've got GPSs.
5: Yeah, they've got tracking devices, uh, and, of course, we discussed about NAFTA and, you know, and because it wasn't implemented here, you know, personally, I, you know, my opinion is NAFTA shouldn't ever be in place to begin with, uh, let alone to take and sit back and agree to pay for this equipment and the company to track them and then turn around and be creating this type of equipment here in the United States. And once a treaty has been initiated, it takes a lot to get these guys to go back and renegotiate a treaty because the other side, they're going to play their, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And to then turn around and try and implement these EOBRs, which leads into the rulemaking that's being done currently uh, regarding uh, uh, the UCR, the Unified Carrier Registration System. You know, Mexico domicile trucks are going to be exe- are being excluded from that registration system, and it actually gives a uh, a statute that they're being excluded from, or a law. And that's what I, that's what caught my attention, and I'm still digging through all of that. Uh, yeah, let me uh, is,
2: let me yeah. let me jump in here real quick. Let me take a quick break because I was going to get to the NAFTA and cross border thing a little bit later, but but uh, okay. now that we're now that we're on it, we'll just stay with it. But got to take a quick break, and we'll be back with uh, Fred Schaffner from TheAmericanDriver.com, and we'll uh, have some more information about what he heard and learned about the cross-border program while he was at the uh, committee meeting last week in Arlington, Virginia. So hang with us. We'll be right back.
1: There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Don't go anywhere. Alan will be right back. You
4: might get hooked on Driving trucks and shifting those gears Don't get hooked by a dash It'll follow you around No matter where you go No matter what town Doesn't matter if it's wrong Or if it's right what they put on paper's gonna follow you for life. Don't get hooked by that. Don't get hooked by that. Don't get hooked by that.
2: drivers and motor carriers face stricter guidelines from within the industry, it's never been more important to stay up to date on the ever-changing regulations, and most importantly, to always operate in compliance with those safety standards. Trans Products and Trans Services is a full-service transportation material compliance supply and regulatory service provider in business since 1957. For over 50 years, Trans Products and Trans Services has been working for drivers and motor carriers and assuring that you are always current and in compliance with all FMCSA regulations, so you'll have an entire regulatory agency working just for you. From logbook auditing to driver qualifications, file management, fuel tax, and UCR filings, permit applications, on-site compliance assistance, and excellent technical service, Trans Products and Trans Services will provide the what, when, why, and how to comply without total interruption of your daily operation. So for more information on how you can have Trans Products and Trans Services working for you, give them a call at 1-800-367-9100. That's toll free, 1-800-367-9100, or find them on the web at TransProducts.com. Hey drivers, how many times have you finally decided to take a break from the sleeper, or follow the science of that hotel just up the road and when you got there, they didn't have the parking space for a big 18-wheeler? Well, if you're like me, it's happened more than once. Aggravating, isn't it? Well, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. Hotels for Truckers.org was created by a trucker for truckers and is the most comprised database for hotels across the country which offer parking space for commercial vehicles. No longer take a chance of whether or not that long-awaited hotel break will accommodate your big rig know for certain that you'll be able to get in where you can fit in Choose from thousands of trucker-friendly hotels stretching across the nation, and you can also get great discount and specials through HotelsForTruckers.org. Included in their extensive database are the addresses, phone numbers, and direct web links to the hotel. And if you use a hotel only one time a year, you can take advantage of the $10 annual membership fee, which allows easy access to view hotels that offer additional CDL trucker discounts, nationwide hotel chain discounts, and even room coupon specials. As a professional driver, you have enough stress to deal with out on the road, so have the peace of mind knowing that the hotel you choose will have all the driver amenities that you need. hotels truckersorg guaranteed, and making sure you get in where you fit in. That's Hotels, the number four, Truckers.org.
1: This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, Fred Schaffner of
2: the com is our guest and we're talking about uh his his uh going there to the uh, Motor Carrier Safety Advisory Committee meeting in Arlington, Virginia last week and and Fred since we already brought it up um uh you did you did find I understand you did find some uh interesting uh facts or information about this uh, cross-border thing going on.
5: Well, this came after the meeting. I mean, during the meeting, uh, which I found to be very enlightening, shall we say, on on how they they handle these uh, and the levels involved, uh, afterwards uh, we were able to, and, and the committee members were more than gracious, you know, was, was eager to speak with the three of us. And a lot of conversation goes on that that's where truly, uh, you know, I believe the impression is set, where, you know, that first encounter, you can set an impression. And you you actually have a conversation with these members and and talk more uh, frankly about things. And, of course, you know, I'm on top of this, you know, this EOBR, this is not right, that it does have its place, you know. Find the carriers that are doing wrong and implement these things on them. You know, don't be hitting owner-operators with it. Don't be, you know, telling the American driver, oh, you've got to have an EOBR, but then put a GPS tracking unit on a Mexican truck, or a truck, I shouldn't say Mexican truck, let's understand something. It is American companies in Mexico via the NAFTA that allowed for these maquiladoras and this owning of Mexican property that's considered U.S. They get to write all their expenses off on their U.S. corporate tax returns. They're down there. Swift, Snyder, all the big boys are down there. And all they need is that border open. Now they've got a cheap labor force and all this other stuff. So we shouldn't really be saying Mexican truck drivers because it's American companies, corporations that own that stuff. You know, is they're just domiciled in Mexico. Well, right. we
3: touched on that a, a few times um, in our in our past few shows, and I and one it of was them, back, yeah. and actually, you know, I mean, the question came up. Where you know everybody's worried about oh the Mexican drivers are going to take jobs, but in actuality the question needs to be asked: Are the American companies who are who have shops set up in Mexico are they going to be hiring Mexican drivers? And if so, uh, are they do they still have to uh, oblige by the uh, regulations that everyone else has to? go by. Oh, well,
5: now that depends on the latest rulemaking proposal, proposed rulemaking. Uh I mean it's it's clearly stated in the latest supplemental to something they started in 2006 that this was uh proposed in 2006 that uh, the agency proposed to exclude the following entities from the unified registration system. The agency proposed to include the following entities in the unified registration system. All right. Now, this is what they got in the, the original and the supplemental, all for hire. This is what they're going to include, all for hire motor carriers, including those exempt from the 49 U.S.C. Chapter 139 registration requirements. Can anybody think of what American equipment out here is exempt from registration? There's basically <laughs> only one, and and, and all i got to do is say farm. Right. Now now you're going to have to register your tractor. They're going after the the exempt vehicles. And yet, following that is they're going to exclude, one, Mexico domiciled motor carriers applying to engage in long-haul operations. Now, I'm sorry, but, you know, when I read stuff like that, I go and I look at 49 U.S.C. Chapter 139. I mean, I go look at this stuff. This is dealing with registration this is the site and this the includes States.
3: American companies in Mexico, or is this is this well, now if American for
5: companies in Mexico and their truck because see they don't say companies they the language being used is is mexico domiciled trucks
3: uh-huh. mexico
5: domiciled carriers they they're not talking about the company itself see these corporations yeah, but what, are set up yeah, but
2: what but what you're what you're saying is that uh, trucking companies, I mean American trucking companies, will be able to domicile their trucks in Mexico and avoid paying the UCR fees while uh, still uh, being able to run the trucks as they do now right over here.
5: Yeah, they'll be able to go down. Right. Well, it says right here the agency proposed to exclude the following entities from the Unified Registration System and that is Mexico domiciled motor carriers applying to engage in long-haul operations. And it goes on with, with some others, applicants dealing with hazardous materials, uh, tank, uh, cargo tank facilities. Uh, these entities are going to be excluded from the registration, uh, basically the the statutes that have been enacted that a unified carrier registration system that they've taken over the single state registration system SSRS that uh it has replaced the single state with a unified a federal system and in that system is where the statutes of 49 USC chapter 139 have force if you're not in the unified carrier registration system then the statutes are not in force upon you. The statutes of Mexico will come into play, or the language in the NAFTA treaty will come into play, or the language of the pilot program, which is not statutes. These are programs, and this is a treaty, whereas they're going to exclude them from the statute or the, the code, USC code, uh, or United States code, Forty forty nine one thirty nine, and I'll just give a quick little example of what I'm talking about. When I when I say uh, authority to enforce, okay, you can get on down, and it gets into you get all your descriptions, uh, prior provisions, effective dates, the whole nine yards. Uh now statute thirteen nine zero two a one. A, this part and the applicable regulations of the Secretary and the Board. Then it goes into B, 1, any safety regulations imposed by the Secretary, the duties of employers and employees established by the Secretary under Sections 31135, and the safety fitness requirements established by the Secretary under Sections 31144. These are the type of things they're being excluded from. Here's the simple statement. In general, except as provided in this section, the secretary shall register a person to provide transportation subject to jurisdiction under subchapter 1 of chapter 135 of this title as a motor carrier if the secretary finds that the person is willing and able to comply with. And here's the most important. This part and the applicable regulations of the secretary and the board. Well, what is the secretary? That is DOT. DOT. DOT sets regulations that we have to follow. That that right there incorporates that jurisdiction over us in out here on the road. That we have to follow these regulations, but they're going to exclude in this supplemental uh, rulemaking Mexico domiciled truck carriers. So if they're not in our registration system. Then we have no jurisdictional authority to enforce our regulations on. They're on their good behaviors, bottom line. It's like, oh, you need to follow these regulations. Okay, we will. But when we yeah. say you need to follow these or else there will be retribution, we have regulations that we will force and enforce upon you. And yet, we just surrendered our jurisdiction with that statement. We have no jurisdictional authority. So an American company reading this language is going to immediately say, well, wow, if I go down and domicile myself down in Mexico, which Swift and Snyder has already done and a, and a few other biggies, then I could take and run my – and get that border open. I can run those trucks on up here into this economy on these roads, and there's real no jurisdictional authority. They'll have to sue me in court. You hear what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, Um, yeah. And has
5: time to sue in court to start with. What person has time, and what court do we take it to? Because we don't have jurisdictional authority over them. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, what
2: court has jurisdiction? I mean, uh, uh, Mexico, a a Mexican court. Huh?
5: That depends on the NAFTA treaty. And actually, if you're based in Mexico, then I would presume uh, and be. Probably fairly correct that it would be Mexico courts
2: you got to go to. Yeah, I would assume too, and because of this, of them being able to do that and avoid the UCR fees and operate here and but be domiciled in Mexico. So now you're seeing this as a uh, it'll it'll devastate uh, our infrastructure funding, our tax. Um, it'll affect our transportation economy, the highways and the maintenance of the roads and everything, and most yes, importantly, obviously. Uh, American jobs. Yes,
5: that's how I see this. Because one, they're going to use the workforce from Mexico, which nobody can argue the point that that you're going to get cheaper labor from a Mexican workforce or Mexico's workforce than you are from American workforce. One, number two, they don't have the same standards, work worker, say, you know, the the like the Fair Labor Standards Act. They, they don't have anything like that down there. <laughs> Number three, you're going to have a flood of trucks coming up from down there, and if you've got a flood of trucks coming up in, they're going to be taking freight back out and moving freight around while they're up in here. That's going to put more trucks buying for competition of loads that are on the boards. Who's that going to affect? Because they can work it for a cheaper price.
3: Well, that leaves a question. To be- this was a question on one of our other shows that we had. Mm-hmm. If You are an American company, and you're set up in Mexico, and you're technically a Mexican company at that point. Uh, Can you hire drivers there to run freight through the United States and avoid the cabotage laws, which say you can only go back and forth from uh, the U.S. to Mexico and don't do anything in between? Um, And Uh, You know, I I asked this question, and I I could be wrong when I say this, but I heard that if that Mexican driver lives in the U.S., let's say he, he, you know, has a place across the border, um, Mm -hmm. then he can. If he doesn't, then he has to go for um, visas, workforce visas and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I can see... Um, if that's the case, the, uh, one more way to avoid um, the cabotage laws going on. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I don't know.
5: Well, well here's the importance I, of language. Oh, I'm sorry.
3: Well, I was just going to
2: say, I don't, I don't believe if if the driver lives in Mexico and operating that truck from an American company that's domiciled there, um, that driver would have to go by the cabotage laws. I don't, I don't think they. I uh, I mean maybe I'm not understanding what you're saying Donna but uh, Well
5: now we got to keep this in mind now if it's a Mexico domiciled carrier now it could be an American corporation go down there and domicile as a carrier right. in Mexico Right and we are excluding them from our registration system that is what binds the jurisdictional authority over a carrier to follow certain regulations rules and and so forth the American company can go down there, domicile their rigs, hire a cheaper labor force, drive on up to right. the cross border program that does not I mean the cross border program has its little statements within it, but if they violate it, you don't have jurisdictional authority to remove their operating authority because they're not in our registration system, they're in Mexico's registration system. You have to go to Mexico and you've got to take and sue. Or or up here we would petition to mm-hmm. the to the DOT or f m c s a for the removal of authority down there, who knows but during the pilot
3: program um, i mean you're assuming they make it through the the um, the period of the pilot program, um, but during the pilot program, I was under the impression that they do have to abide by everything in order to uh you know be be brought into the whole uh Well,
5: let let me point something out, because everybody's noticed there's only two companies that are running in that right now from Mexico, correct? Right. All right. Now, when these two companies take and show good impression or makes it uh, look, I mean, because they're going to watch their P's and Q's up here so we can get the border dropped. Now the border's open. Do you think it's only going to be two carriers now? Or do you think there's going to be a flood? Because I can give you a perfect example dealing with NAFTA. There was 500 maquiladoras, which are manufacturing zones down in Mexico prior to 92, I guess it was, when Clinton signed that that piece of toilet paper. And now there is over 3,500 maquiladoras. Now, these are manufacturing zones that are owned by United States corporations. They get to write all their expenses off down there, plus the tax, the 6% thing they paid to the Mexican government. They get to write that off on their U.S. corporate tax returns. Now, we've got two companies that are in the pilot program. That's going to be shining examples. The border's going to drop. Now, you can be an owner-operator. You can go buy your truck in Mexico, domicile yourself there, be in their registration system, and head for America.
2: Well, you know this Maybe really explains hmm? this. This really explains why um, there's only been two uh, Mexican motor carriers to come on board with this thing in the last several months because they're all sitting back waiting for this new language to uh, <laughs> to come into effect.
5: Thank you for it to no longer be a program, but to be an open border. Thank you. Right.
2: right. I mean, exactly that's what... what
5: happened with NAFTA. Where do you think all our textile manufacturing went to? The parts that you get for your cars, everything went to China. No, chunks of it did, yes. But the parts, the manufacturing of the massive amount of products is coming from Mexico, from the maquiladoras, United States, right. States Corporations went down and took advantage of language, how NAFTA was constructed,
2: right. and
5: there was a reason there was an explosion of doors down there.
2: Yeah, I'm following you know, now, and, and it, it all makes it sense. You. I mean, I mean, we all know manufacturing uh, is, is virtually dead here in the country. We all know where they went, but Donna, that really explains it. I mean, we, we brought that up on one of our last shows a while back. You know there's only, there's only two motor carriers, but they're sitting back waiting for this language.
5: Yeah. And why isn't I, Swift I, I, one of them? Why isn't Swift one of them? Why isn't Snyder one of them? They're domiciled down there. They're down there. I've talked to people. As a matter of fact, we all know. Once, you know, we all know Desiree, and she sees firsthand these boys are down there. In '08 or '09, I can't remember. I think it's the oh eight, oh nine fiscal year of the government. Five billion dollars. Of American taxpayer money was given to Mexico to build two ports, the cities, and the infrastructure. And where do those roads go to? They don't go around Mexico. It's a nice highway that goes right up to right up to the United States border. Yeah. These are things that are happening. These are realities. And when you look at what has been done with previous dealing with opening our border, with the explosion of maquiladoras. And then you look at, we only got two companies in this pilot program. They're going to be the shining examples. And then, just like here, anybody can get their authority if you take and do it within the regs. Well, it's the same type of process in Mexico, but their regulations are nothing compared to ours. It's always been, uh, not let's say argued, but the discussions have always agreed on one thing. their systems down there do not come close to comparing to our systems. Yet, when that border comes down and these two companies have shown, oh, this is a good thing, everything's going to be okay, you're going to have people being able to buy a truck, pass the test, apply for the authority, fill out their little MCSA-1s for their safety rating, uh, show their financial responsibility, which will be a lot cheaper down there, and off into America, you can go. Does not anybody else see the explosion that's coming if this does not get stopped?
2: Yeah. Now, let me, yeah, and that's one thing I want to uh, touch on here a little bit too, because I, I mean I hate to keep saying it, but we we know for a fact that this is the kind of stuff that destroyed the owner operators in Europe. There are no owner operators in Europe because of this kind of stuff. But here's a bigger problem, Fred. What happened over there? And we're going to have a guy, we're going to have a truck driver from Norway on our show coming up soon, and he's going to explain exactly why, what, how it came about in Europe where the owner-operators totally disappeared. Now, he told me, he told me that if we continue on the same track that we're continuing on now, he gives America about two to three years before the same thing that happened over there happens here. But now here's where I want to lead you. Why that happened over there was because, you know, this kind of stuff comes on very slowly, very quietly, and before you know it, it's there, and that's what happened there. Now, why those drivers disappeared over there is—I mean, they woke up one day and go, and they and they go, "What happened?" Well. Aren't we seeing that right now here here in America? Because there's not that many drivers, really, that are involved like you and us and others and a few others. I mean, how do you get them to wake up?
5: Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, individuals like you and Donna, uh, you know, just keep hammering it out there, getting the information out there. The the Rich Wilsons, the Paul Taylors, uh, and and I will throw myself up in there because you sure. know I'm back on the path, and I plan on. I mean, financing is going to be the big issue, But I'm now only three hours from D.C. and not seventeen hundred miles.
0: Right. I mean,
5: it's you know it's one of the things where we got to start. We got to start getting a, a unified behind a voice. We need a true trucker's voice, somebody that, how do I put this? After the meeting, I had to mix that thing, committee meeting, and uh, I'll, I'll leave his name alone. Let's just say he's supposed to be a trucker advocate. Actually said these words to me, and as a young man I was warned about these words. Well, you've got to understand how it works. This is how it works around here. And yeah. No, I understand how it works, and I'm here to change it. I'm not here to play along and, and understand how it works. My granddad calls that selling out. That's where you go to do something. Somebody tells you, well, you've got to understand how it works, and then you start listening to them. And next thing you know, you're, you're, you're part of the mess because you've let yourself get sucked into it trying to, you know, play this. This is how it works. Well, no. The reason I'm here is because what you all are doing is broken. It needs to be fixed. It's, no, I understand how it works very well. I, 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 I'm very well educated on how it works. That's what needs to be changed. No longer can we do it this way because, and I can tell you for any owner-operators out there listening right now, because I did this myself in 02, there's going to come a day that you're going to be sitting in your truck, you're going to be making business decisions. You're going to be trying to figure out, oh, my Lord, how am I going to make a buck? I got this regulation, I got that regulation. Now I can't do this, I can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. Well, now they're telling me what to do with the EOBRs. You know, it's like, wait a second. Before I lose my shirt and my pants, I'm out. That's why I parked in the O2 shutdown and made took the time to really think it through and decided. I mean, I was in household, and they started discounting 70%. They're, they're. I'm making i I'm splitting on a sixty, six, you know, six six thirty three split. Thirty cents on the buck, and I'm paying all the bills. But I have Hi. no say. I made the decision before I lose my shirt, my home, and my cars. I'm out. And every owner operator, if we don't take and at least find a way, because it is extremely difficult to get there. That's trucking life. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to be on that date, and then we have 13 million trucks driving to an area where there's no parking. I mean, it's just unrealistic. <clears throat> but we can be a force on that hill.
3: It's, well, it's, Fred, I, I'd like to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, you had you had a, a pretty good show uh, about a year ago. I used to listen to it. I know a lot of people used to listen to it. Oh. <laughs> and um, Do you have any plans uh, for another radio show coming up?
5: Well, I I I haven't put anything to stone yet because I truly from what I saw and what I experienced and, and what occurred at this mixtack hearing or meeting, that you know, there's there's doing another show or there's just making sure information gets out on shows like y'all's and maybe see if there's ways that we can get drivers to start actually saying, you know what? We need a voice, here's a guy that's got the time and is willing to be the voice. Then and there ain't no sellout coming from this guy. I'm trucker. That's who right, I am. Right. What I do. And even though I had to give mine up, and that was a business decision, then you know before I lose it all, and and knowing that this is coming to the rest of the drivers out there, the owner operators, there's going to come a day where you're going to be making, you're going to be faced with that same decision. Do I get out of this now while I still got my shirt? Or do I hang in there a little bit longer and hopefully somebody will do right? You know, is you know. I'm, I've, well, here's here's here's
2: a here's a yeah. thing. I mean, you know, uh, the you know truth about and lie, We can keep putting the information out there. We can keep mm-hmm. talking about it. Uh, you know, when it comes right down to it, you know, it's just me and Donna. But where are where's the powerhouses behind this thing? I mean, where's where's the uh, you know the the Teamsters. I mean, where you know we need the the the, the big boys. They're mix- <laughs> <laughs> on the mixed act committee. The are on the mixed act
0: committee.
5: Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: well, hey, I tell hey. you one thing: we'll we'll keep putting out the information. You keep doing what you're doing, and I hope it doesn't happen. But if the day comes here in America that happened over in Europe, well, at least they can't say nobody ever told them.
5: Well, that's right. I mean, well, we you know, imagine. and that was this is, this, this is stoppable, but it's going to take uh, not necessarily a unity, unity where we're all going to take action, but it's going to take something because the powerhouses are not there for the trucker; they're not. It's us. It's the truckers that's going to have to find a way to do this. And well, this was, this
3: was one of the things with the convention, um, Fred, and and it, it yeah. ignited you. Um, you found out the information there, and uh, you took off with it. And we don't want it to fizzle out. People were really excited, and people, yeah. you know, wanted to do something. But you know how it is in, in life. We get busy, and then, oh, you know, yeah. everything just know stops. Exactly you're and, stop.
5: and herein, you know, with this recovery process I'm going through, I mean, as hard as it was to let it sink in and hear it, uh, I, you know, I had the second. We, I, we had to go through a reevaluation because first doctor was just being a yahoo and we couldn't get him to even talk to me. And actually had him push the police button. I had the police show up out, out of the hospital because I want to talk to my doctor. We went to a second doctor and, and he actually told me this could take, you know, several months. Of course, I asked him, well, how many? You know, and he said it could take anywhere from as little as six months, uh... possibly a year or two Some people it takes years, and, and as As flooring as that was, I'm looking at this as being, no, I'm going to turn a positive out of this while I'm recuperating. I'm close enough. I'm educated enough. I understand enough of this stuff. I've experienced a lot of it personally firsthand through the 90s. I mean, I watched it when the deregulation started in 88, sunsetting my CC, the influx of drivers that exploded when that deregulation occurred. And this is what I'm saying about the cross border. Does anybody not see the explosion that's coming? It, it's like.
2: Let me tell you something, you Fred. I, got, I, I read. A, you know? I read a comment. I read a comment the other day on Todd Dill's. Um, I think it's his his channel his uh, channel, 19 channel
0: nineteen blog.
2: Yeah. And uh, I mean, it, it was. It, it was. You know, it was a. It was a fine comment. the The only thing that struck me was. Uh, the 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 comment was about. Uh, protesting where the real the real power comes from protesting because he went on and said that uh the trucking industry is worse now than it was in the 80s but my problem with that is uh what has protesting really done i mean if 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 there's such power in protesting why is the trucking industry worse off now than it was in the 80s so i'm not I'm not. I, I, I kind of, I have. I ha I didn't really reply back to it, but I have to just say, you know, the protesting doesn't. Protesting doesn't do anything. It's going to have to take action, and just like like you're doing, and and we're we're going to try to put something together to help you with the, you know, your expenses traveling back to to Arlington and D.C. and everything. But
5: thank you. But thank you. I I am following this report, and you know I'm close enough. Like I said, you know if I got to go down here to the American Truck Stop, that's right down the roadways where where my uh, JB's lady works at, I'll go down there and I'll find a driver to take me down. I mean I got to be there. I got to follow this report and go right through all of the levels, and that's you know to have a powerhouse behind us would be beautiful because then I because if I could if I could hold a job right now, I just don't have just don't have quite everything back in the left arm yet so you know the work the work thing's an issue I've always been one I, you know I earn my keep and I spend what I got and I do what I can and being this close it don't take much to get there it don't take much to be in these meetings and that's right. where we got to be I mean even if it's only at the public comment section but I got my I'm going to have to get a different digital recorder because this one's driving me nuts trying to get these, these comments copied up so everybody can hear them it's, you know, it's it's a financing thing, and there is no powerhouses, and J.B., my brother's been trying so hard. He's been poking at them and poking at them. I mean, when we went after Virginia, and, you know, my apologies to you, Todd, but here it comes. We were told when we reached out to OIDA that it was a waste of our time. Those were the words that that man used personally to my brother, J.B., it's a waste of your time. Now, needless to say, we turned around and we reached out, and you, Alan, was an incremental, well, a pivoting moment with Jeffrey Caldwell. Beautiful stuff. It got us in the door. Once we get in the door, then we can find out, you're going to act, you're going to listen or not, and then, of course, you know, we, we have other methods of dealing with this stuff. We went after him. We got the two-hour parking time limit removed. We got them to adhere to their own regulations, and and yeah.
4: Well, that,
2: well, that's that's what drivers need to hear because I man, I get so tired of hearing from drivers who say, "Well, there's nothing we can do. We can't do anything. Nobody will listen to us." The reason nobody will listen to them is because they're not talking, and and that that excuse
5: this, this that excuse is talking truly for them. And, and not up there saying we're a trucker advocate and we're here speaking on behalf of the trucker and then allow language like I shared earlier about the ability for law enforcement to be able to reach into your vehicle and you and you not even know it. And if, by chance, you were just trying to find a parking space, you ran out of time, the number of times that that's going to happen with the OBRs, While while I was riding up here from Texas with my brother, he had that happen to him a couple times, just trying to find a parking spot. He's down there like five minutes. I mean, what more unsafe yeah. is there than an EOBR in a truck when you're paying attention to that time? It's like, like, like what's more stressful than that, you know? And, right. And herein, language like this gets through, and nobody does nothing. Nobody says nothing. Nobody, you know, really hammers it out, or at least why You know, make sure that there's a comment there instead of just abstaining or, you know, voting anyways, to sit back and not allow the vote to come to the table to begin with. To sit back and say, no, we have not worked the safety issue of this out yet. But yet, they're going to go ahead and do it. There's no choice. I
3: I just want to say that, you know, Fred, really, I admire the fact, I mean, you're recovering from a stroke, but you have the the tenacity and the the commitment to do something and I hope this and I'm sure it will be an example um to other drivers to get to keep informed and know when these meetings are going on. Um you know if you'll be making sure
2: of that.
5: <laughs> yeah and, and I, I you assure know, you that the minute I find out when the next meetings come up uh, like I knew when the next ones are coming now, and I got posted up on my Facebook for everybody to let them know these are the next meetings. They're still not posted on the Mixac page upcoming meetings, uh, and they're not required to post them until 15 days before the meeting. So we probably won't see right. them posted or changed.
3: But Believe we need to enough, get get drivers to go to them. And now that we know that there's no rig parking, yeah, they might have to take uh, their vehicle use their home time, whatever it takes, um, and if well, we can make it up there, we'll do it too. I mean, it it's going to take that kind of effort.
5: Let me offer this, because here's one thing I do understand, public comment, period. That means that a man should be able to take and show up, be able to park his rig and show up, and speak his piece. Now, I got an email that um, my brother finally got set up on, for me on Ymail, uh, Silversurfer underscore TX dot or at YA or dot com. That's Silversurfer underscore TX at YML dot com. Send your comments to me and I'll take and read them.
0: I'll okay. read things right there.
5: And believe me, I'm not bashful. And I, anybody wants to stand up and start messing because I'll hold them up to the committee and say, These are individuals that couldn't get here. Either because they're halfway across the country, because their their companies dispatched them in the other direction, or there's no truck parking out there, so these guys could get here, or they just live too far away, and your docket system doesn't because they don't read those comments to this committee. By the way, no comments that were submitted on the docket was read in the committee meeting.
2: No, isn't that surprising?
5: I, I, uh huh. Well, I, you know, at first I was gonna. Kind of set it up and say, "Well, imagine that." <laughs> you know right. I mean, we know we know what that's about. Well, you want your you want your words said. Email me your words before December fifth. I'll take them in there and I'll read them. You just make sure that you give me your name. You don't have to give me location and everything. I'd like to have a state. But just give me your name and your state and say your words. I'll go read these things. In front well, that's of-
2: what that's what they need because i mean here, here's the one problem with these uh you know uh, showing up to committee committees and doing all this kind of stuff is they understand the trucker's lifestyle i mean we had about we had about 30 35 drivers at the, this first convention we had about 15 or so more whose motor carrier actually uh, sent them in the opposite direction so i mean this is the kind yeah. of stuff that that drivers deal with and, you know, just because they're going to have a a, a meeting in Arlington, Virginia, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean the motor carriers are going to just, you know, cramp-pack all their drivers in there. They don't want them there. They,
5: yeah, they don't want them. They, no, they, they don't, because they want these EOBRs mandated. One, it's going to drive the owner-operator out, and that's their competition. And two, it's going to give them some, some good uh, whip-cracking tool, you know, get back to work. Right. You know, that supervisor on the floor. uh, What are you doing? Get back to work. You know, it's just, it's, it's. I mean, and every driver out there that's listening knows what I'm talking about when I say that that will be a tool that that company will use to push you. Even when you, the driver, made the decision that you're tired, you just need a couple of hours of rest. You just need to take him walking off for a little while. You need you're feeling tired, and yet you've got four hours on the clock. You don't think that that supervisor is not going to take and send, you know, first message you and then start calling you on your phone. Right. If you don't reply, you're going to lose your job.
2: I well, mean, just, that's just,
5: that's the reality just of what just,
2: it is. Just like we and, turn the mic over to drivers at the convention, you can you can be the voice of drivers uh, there at these committees. What, what's the email address again that they can uh, send you their comments?
5: Uh, it's silver surfer underscore. T is in Tom. It will just like Texas. Tx at YML.com. dot com. Okay. we have been trying to get drivers out there to to do that. We we were hoping we'd have a few that I would have read at the at the subcommittee, and uh, and I could have tested it. The has done it, but the tenacity. I, I'm very pushy because whether I'm standing there as the voice for this person, or that person is standing there, that's a public comment. And that's my opinion on it, and I won't I won't budge on that. And I lie not. Instead of going through that docket system where some some assistant of an assistant, because they're required to read them, is going to read them, I have sp- specifically waiting to hear comments being read that came through the docket system. Now I know there was at least two <laughs> that was there that was sent in through the docket or the comment docket or whatever they call that. There was at least two. There was no right. read to this committee at all, none. So if wow. people had sent information in, it was read by somebody at a desk in another part of the city, another part of the state, not at the committee, and it was not read before the committee. So this committee doesn't hear those comments, and they're making their recommendations. So as I've learned in early in life, when you got an obstacle – you can try and bang your head on it for a while, or you can finesse your way around it. Well, y'all send me your comments, and I'll make sure they get read.
2: Yeah, that'll, that'll work. Let me, uh, <clears throat> boy, we've just been gabbing away here. Let's grab a caller here real quick. Time uh, time is winding down. Uh, from Delaware, area code 302. Go ahead.
6: Well, good evening, y'all. Hey. It's Rich. How you doing?
2: Yeah, how's good. it going, Rich?
6: Good. good. Hey, Rich. Hey, yeah.
4: yeah. yeah um, one thing I did want think?
6: to say, Fred, uh, right there at the uh, Crystal, there's a um, um, metro station, and the trucks can park outside and take the metro, and so if they need a place to park, they can park outside of Washington, the metro dumps right there at the hotel.
5: Well, now here's my, because I, I did notice, I, I did check into this a little bit. Does the metro run to Fredericksburg, or does yeah. it run to Jessup?
0: Uh yeah,
6: yes,
5: yes it does. I checked on it because I was
6: gonna. instead of riding into Washington, uh, I was gonna stop outside in the suburbs uh, off of 50 and take the metro in. But it does. It comes. It drops right off there at the uh, foot of the uh, hotel. But everything Fred is saying is right. I mean, over
5: there, and I kind of traced them back around trying to figure out. Well, does this get to nearby any of the major truck stops? And of course, the only two truck stops uh, that are major around there is down in Texas <laughs> yeah. or up in Texas. I don't
0: think I don't think people,
5: I don't think people want to. Now I do have to push out. Now we need Jason's law in place so that we can get more truck parking because it's already hard enough to find a place to park, let alone find a place to park and catch the metro. I mean, we're we need to find an easier way for these guys to get there. We truly do, and until we get to that point. We need to find a way to get their words in front
2: of these committees. And, right. and, and the best way and, I can see to do that is is—is
0: seriously have a – and
5: and my brother knows me well. Alan Don has come to know me re- really well. When I, say, like, when I was at the convention, I was telling everybody, oh, my God, i got to go to the meeting because I opened my mouth during my, my comment and said, we are to see my face at the next meeting. <laughs> so I had yeah. to be there. I, I'm a man of my word. If if I get comments sent to me that has your name and your state, we don't need. I don't need location stuff. And if they do, I'll laugh at them. Just a name and a state, so I can say this here is this is so and so from this state, and these are his words. I'm just
3: the
2: voice, and right, I will read them. Yeah, we understand. That's, that, well, that's what they need, and and thanks, Richard. You know, but oh, a, I
3: want to ask Richard a question.
2: Okay, hold on just a second. I was just going to say the thing about the Metro is, I mean, Fred, if you didn't know about it, I don't know about it. I'm a driver out of Florida. I mean, how many drivers don't know that?
5: Probably none, because I didn't recognize it was even there until we were taking off, and I saw the, the turn, like I guess you call it terminal, uh, I noticed there was a rail line. And I said, ah, and I kind of looked into it, uh, and I can't really find where that, I mean, you you're going to have to do transfers or, or changes right. because you've got a northwest and an east you know, northwest east uh north south east west routes that they usually run. And, the, and the right. well, that's, are, yeah. that that's
2: that's that's the information that uh you know they probably need to post up on their website so drivers know that, you know, there is a place to park. But uh Richard's back on. Donna, go ahead. We're winding down here but we'll get it in real quick.
3: Hey Rich, how are you?
6: Good, hon, how are you?
3: I'm good. How much of the show tonight were you able to catch?
6: uh about three quarters of it,
3: okay, good, and tell me um you know what i I'm, how did you feel about a lot of the topics um and, and we covered a lot of ground uh especially you know that part about the um the the drivers the companies in in the United states uh down in Mexico and hiring drivers and just running all over the country.
6: Oh yeah. Well, <clears throat> you know, that, that that's such a corrupt situation. Uh just like at Transport Olympica. I mean, you know, they, they're they they come into the country and a week and a half after they're granted their uh uh cross border program they're given full authority. Tell me that wasn't sitting in the in the wings ready to be negotiated. Uh there's a lot of things that are going on right now with all this. Uh uh, the fed's the fed's running scared right now because all oh, for the for the first time they realize there 's people like us out there that are spreading the word and and they realize that their information isn 't being uh, held in Washington secretly and it 's getting out and the people and the drivers and everybody 's learning about it and uh, People like Fred now coming on board uh myself uh. You know Todd Dill, several of the people involved are now starting to make their voices heard, and I think they realize the voices are heard. And like we've been saying through the whole all, through this whole process, um, the more voices heard, the more they're going to heard, the more influence it's going to be. And you know, uh, like Fred will tell you, that is probably one of the most law enforcement heavy committees. And oh, believe Lord. me, if you sit into them like I did, and I know Fred did, they it's yeah. more like to an FOP meeting than it is to a trucker, um, commit, you know, uh, advisory committee. Says, and well, and, and then people like awesome. us get up to the microphone and say anything. They're going to have total control of the, you know, the airways.
5: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, and herein it goes back to what I was taught as a kid. You know, multiple uh, encounters, you can impress upon them. A, 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 you, you, there's a force here. This is not somebody that just showed up one time and set an impression that we're making a you know we're uh, we're making a presence being felt now, and that's what we need. We need to have a presence felt within that beltway where these guys they're already hearing and they're catching on that we're getting wise to the game and we're figuring you all out and we're finding out where the info's at, and we're getting it out now we need to let them know let them feel our presence i mean is it can be done. It truly can. It's just it's gonna take if, persistence.
2: If, I know it can be done because you've done it. So uh but, it's well just, yeah. But Lord.
5: that. It's getting the voices took out there. It, took
2: it's a while. A, it it
5: can be done.
2: It's, it's right. getting the voices out there and somebody standing yeah. up to it, but hey that's what we're doing, that's what we're working on. So uh Richard, thanks, appreciate it and um uh, Fred, appreciate you coming on the show. Keep us up to date on all your work.
5: I will. I will. And, you know, if we, if we can find one of them, them powerhouses out there, uh, we'll have this game won.
2: Well, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, uh, t- time, to, time to get short here, but, you know, I, uh, the, this powerhouse thing irritates me. I mean, um I mean we we have Oida. I mean they're 25 years strong. I mean, you know, you can't just blow Oida off. They've done you know, they've no. done they've done great work for driver. They've done great work for the industries <clears throat> and oh, yeah. um I mean, I know that they've got to be on top of this too.
5: Well, uh like I said, I I mean no disrespect because I know that their hearts in the right place. It's Just they're, uh-huh. they're they you got to understand how it works here. And, and, the and the give and take and the give and take and what what doesn't get done right. And, and I love the way Todd did stand up. And he says, well, if that's the case, then we'll take him to court. I said, yeah, but we've got to start fighting this on the front end, not the, not the back end. We've got to start fighting this before it becomes a problem, not after it becomes a problem. That's where you guys are great. You guys are on the ball on staying on top of this when something happens. You've got you drag them right in the court. And yes, that's I, I commend you on that. But we need to stop this stuff on the front end. We got to attack it when it's being constructed, so that it doesn't become a problem. So that we don't have to go ask some court to you know side on our side. It shouldn't be a problem uh, to begin with.
2: Yeah, I see what and, you're saying. I mean, I, I mean they, I mean they, they've been around a long time. They they do kind of do that kind of after kind of the after the fact deal, but. Uh, get involved. I mean, I'm sure they know how the political game works. I mean, they've been doing it a long time, yeah. but they, I see what you're saying. They they do kind of come in uh, kind of after the fact, kind of.
5: Well, now, we do have to take notice that they are a 501c3. And once you're yeah. taken, that's the one thing that my brother, we, he, J.B., was like, we we got to get ourselves non profit set up. we got to get 501. I said, no. The minute you take and become a 501c3, you have restrictions and rules placed on you. There's only so much you can spend. There's only so, so much you can do. There's only, you, you can't lobby this, but you can give money to a lobbyist. Uh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Being an individual or being a company, I can say what I want, when I want, and where I want. I can talk to whoever I want. There is no rules that I've agreed to that shuts me up and puts a muzzle on me. And that you know, once I got my brother to understand that, we've we've been just kind of trudging along. You know, kick them in the butt whenever we can. We got Virginia, uh, Tennessee's about to get it next, and South Carolina—they don't get them signs down. And, and it's just like, <laughs> I'm serious. Well. I've already I've already started because uh, the, the, we've already we've already done it once, so we, we we're shortcutting to the. We're going straight to the end result. (laughs) And and it's
2: just, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's just just a testimony to what, you know, uh, a few people can do. uh, And just imagine, like Richard Wilson says, if 13 million got involved, imagine what we can do.
5: Now, allow me to point something out. What bigger powerhouse than 13 million drivers? Yeah, I
2: know. (laughs) (laughs) They are a
4: powerhouse. Well, you know, I
3: believe I believe you have to keep a vision, and and not take your eyes off no matter no matter what happens, and just don't keep hold, looking forward at your vision.
5: That's it. I mean, you stay on you stay on the path, and what you began to do, you don't stop until you get it done, and you know, and that's just basic. That's basic trucker there. You know, you set off to do something by God. I'm gonna get it done. That's just the way a trucker is. That's who I am. You know. Well. I'm just going to apply it in a different area now. And if we can right. get, you know, something to really start rolling behind this, and like I said, we're going to take what you two started with this convention, this idea and this, this plan, and, and it's going to – got to snowball it. And for that to happen, one of us has got to become that presence inside that beltway. Right. And just be the voice. And, you know, I don't have to be the one to Mhm.
4: Well,
2: right. Well, as you're. Long as you're I,
5: uh, yeah.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say. Well, you're right there at the beltway now.
5: That's the whole thing. That I'm kind of figuring, you know, as long as I can keep getting there, my God, I'm, I'm going to be there. There's no getting <laughs> around it. <laughs> well, That's the bottom line. Well, we need more like paper. you. There you go. Well, there's lots of us out there.
2: They you are. Just, they, they are. Just barely, and I. T- And it is growing. I mean, we're we're seeing it growing.
5: Oh yeah, it's. I'm telling you, you want to talk about powerhouses and voices and presence? We can do this. And I'm just kind of hoping that with what y'all started with the convention, and with me doing what I can do to take it at least give example, if anything else, that look, this it can be done. Ah! It it, we can do this, you know. Yeah. Now, granted, lovely to see. Uh, you know, a few thousand of us show up at the same time to give comment. That would be beautiful, but let's be yeah. let's be realistic. If <laughs> we've got drivers that have families and and bills and responsibilities, and they're in an industry where they are not being compensated properly, and they're doing the best they can to stay afloat to keep their right. job, they, they, right. it's unrealistic to expect thousands of us to show up. So we need to just get one at least and one that you can sit back and, as a trucker, sit back and say, I ain't never going to cross that line. I've already had the comments brought to me right from the get. Well, you got to understand how it works. Well, here was my response, drivers. I understand how it works, and I'm not here to understand that this is how i got to do this. No, I'm here to fix it. I'm here to right. rattle the cage. I'm here to poke at the bear. I'm here to rattle the bee's nest. I'm not here to play the game. Y'all got to stop this. Enough's
2: enough, right? Right. Well, it goes back to what I said about the the trucker's lifestyle. You know, it, it's. I mean, you know, there's a lot of drivers out there that want to be doing what you know what you're doing, what you know Don and I here are doing, and and you know, 34 years in the industry, I know the trucker's lifestyle. They know it too, and it, and it's just real difficult. But but hey, we're 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 working there, and we're going to keep working there right along with you and everybody else who wants to come in, and um, uh, we'll we'll. Keep right there with you, Fred.
5: Hey, as long as I can get there, I'm there. And whatever I find out, whatever I can figure out, and eventually okay. I'm going to find where their weak link in their chain is, and I'll make sure everybody knows about it, and we'll exploit it, and we'll get this thing. We'll find out how to stop this on the front end.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh.
5: We'll definitely uh-huh. get that out to you. And, and I love you all. Okay. You two do such a wonderful job. You know, keep up the good work.
2: Well, thanks. Hey, and and, uh, thanks for coming on the show again, and we'll be in touch.
5: Thanks, definitely.
2: All right, we'll be talking with you. All right, uh, our next show will be on Thursday, November 10th, 2011 at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with our guest, Dan Mattulli of transportwatch.com and TransportWatch is a major watchdog for the trucking industry working to fight fraud within the transportation industry by exposing those companies who operate in a fraudulent manner while protecting the uh, good name and reputation of those trucking companies freight brokers and other businesses operating with integrity and professionalism so join us next thursday november tenth two thousand eleven at seven p.m. eastern time for dan Matulli of transportwatch.com. And thanks for spending some of your time with us this evening. And our show continues to grow with listeners, thanks to the World Wide Web, always available 24-7, 365 days a year. And we're working toward broadcasting the show for two to three times per week in the near future, so we'll keep you posted on uh, on that goal. So until next time, for Truth About Trucking Live, and for Donna Smith, I'm Alan Smith, Drive Safe. And thanks for listening.
4: I've been driving these rigs since 79. Never got a ticket, never crossed the line. Dinner's on the table, but it's gonna get cold. Gotta get going, I've got freight too low. Well, I was running through. Let do. in 58 A four-wheeler cut me off So I slammed my brakes Well, the truck went left But the trailer threw right And I saw my life flash before my eyes I'm just trying to make a living Running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the the trucking brand I was fighting the wheel and the next thing I know I hit the sidewalk and over I go Falling so fast I had no time to scream Burning hot metal flying all around me Well, I laid there for a minute living out of my head Not knowing if I was alive or dead the Highway Patrol said, let me give you a hand Then he laughed and said, son, you better check your pants I'm just trying to make a living running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the the trucking brand At me and my burning rig Checked out the damage That was done to the bridge Feeling a little crazy And dizzy in the head Barely heard the words That officer said $10,000 fine And your CDL is gone Better call your mama To come take you home Three million miles And never a glitch the four-wheeler only got a slap on the wrist. I'm trying to make a living running the road. Loving my family from a cell phone. Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand. Lord, have mercy on us. The, the trucking brand. The truck in